Good morning, everyone. My name is Julia, and I'm one of the founders of fashionpodluck.com, the social media platform for women. Today, after a long break, I'm having a podcast with Mariah Mansfield-Back, the co-founder of Yoni. And today, we're going to talk about periods. Administration, better said. <laughs> Good morning, Mariah. Good morning. And thank you for coming. Well, it's thank you uh, for very exciting to meet you and uh, to hear everything about your brand and about uh, menstruation, of course, because we believe uh, it's a relevant topic and it's really cool what you're doing with your company. Thank you. So would you tell us a little bit more about Yoni for the beginning? Um, yeah, I can tell you basically anything you would want to know yeah, about Yoni uh, and I can do my best to Perfect. tell you about everything about menstruation that I know of. Okay. Um, but um, I guess I need to start at the beginning um, because it obviously never was a little girl dream of mine to have a tampon and pad company. That's you just, probably didn't imagine that. No, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not something that you dream of having. Um, yeah, I did end up in business. I actually never really thought I'd end up in business uh, for starters. I um, have always had this very clear feeling that I'm here to make a positive change to the world. Yeah. And for me, that wasn't necessarily in business as I saw business as being about profit making only. Um, and so for a long time, I mean, I did my master's in international development. I worked for Doctors Without Borders, an NGO. Um, mm -hmm. And then somehow I got myself into the business of tampons and pads. And the seed for Yoni was really planted in a personal experience um, um, and not a happy one, unfortunately. So when I turned 30 here in the Netherlands, um, you um, are asked to do a health checkup. And my health checkup um, didn't turn out so well. So I found out that I was in developmental stages of cervical cancer. Oh. and. That meant that kind of, for me, out of the blue, I ended up having to go in and out of hospitals for about six months, um, eventually had an operation. And I kept asking all of the health specialists I was seeing, you know, what can I do to further support my health? And one of my specialists told me, um, she said, you know, I'd advise you to switch from using synthetic uh, tampons and pads to organic cotton ones. Okay. And for me, this was the first time I ever really questioned uh, my use of tampons and pads and what they would even be made from. Right. Um, but I didn't need that much convincing at that point of, of time. Course, so of I wanted, I would do anything basically. So I went out to bet and buy my organic cotton tampons and, and pads. And they were already tampons available, organic ones. Oh, I couldn't find them at my uh, like normal uh, supermarket or drugstore. Um, so I had to go to like a special, more organic niche uh, store and I could find them. And I wasn't like new to going to organic stores. I also was a yoga teacher uh, and rather health conscious, mm -hmm. but I had just never thought of stopping uh, and buying uh, my tampons and pads from a brand that I didn't know and from this special store. And I think any woman can really understand that having to go to a special store for your special tampons is a really unhandy situation to be in. Um, wow, because I'm one of those surprising. women who like, I know that you have, nowadays I talk about menstruation to a lot of women, so I know that there are, in general, two types of women, either women who buy like in bulk, 
Um, um, or or the last whole, moment. Yeah, the last moment. Like, oh my god, I'm having my period again. Like it. Like yep. you gotta forget. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm one of those women. And so anytime I was at like the airport or at my parents' house who don't live in Amsterdam, I couldn't get to my special store. Exactly. And um, I'd be confronted with having to use products that I no longer wanted to use. And so for two years, this was something totally uh, personal. And then I can really remember the day uh, very clearly. It was a Sunday. It was rainy. I had read uh, the four-hour work week book uh, in the morning. Yep. Um, um, and then I had to go on my bike because all of a sudden I also got my period. I had to go on my bike around town to get to the one special store yep. that was open on a Sunday to buy my special tampons. And I got out and I said to my boyfriend at the time, I said, why can't I buy these products just at a normal store? And then after that, I went and had tea with one of my friends, Wendeline, and she said, you know, like, what's so special about your special tampons? Aren't mine made out of cotton as well? And we got out her boxes of products, and that's when we realized that on your normal boxes of tampons and pads, there's generally no list of ingredients, which is really strange because for any other care product, be it your shampoo, your soap, your... Um, cream facial cream you'll find the list of ingredients on the packaging but then for your most intimate products there is no there's none wow and so that for us was actually enough uh for on that sunday to say you know we believe that every woman should be able to know what her most intimate products um, are made from yeah. and we believe um that if women know to really then have a choice you need to be able to buy them just at any store next right. to your synthetic products and those two things, so sharing the story and making the products are available, are basically uh, what we ended up doing and what we still do today with the company. Okay, so how different are the organic tampons are then? What are the ingredients of the normal bees that we buy, for example? Yeah. And I'm actually super curious, especially after you mentioned that your doctor told you that you yeah. should stop using them. Yeah, and so she told me to stop using them to prevent further irritation because if you have um, um, any stage of cervical cancer or pre-cancer pre yeah. stage, you're going to have um, uh, more irritation around your cervix. Um, and so most products, and I can't say like this product specifically is made with this or that because I don't know, it's not on the packaging, exactly, but yeah. as far as I can yeah. see and um, know, most products are made with um, viscose or rayon. Um, and the problem with um, this, uh, this type of material is it has a very short fiber. So cotton has naturally has a very long fiber yeah. and viscose has a very short fiber. So on many of the tampons that you'll find, if they're made of viscose, you'll also find what um, some companies refer to as the silk touch. You'll find a plastic layering over the product. Right. And that yeah. plastic layering is there to keep the product together. Because if you, and you can do this at home if you really want to, take one of those tampons and put it in water and within, I don't know, half an hour, maybe even a few minutes, you'll see that little bits of fiber start to kind of flutter around in the water. And so that plastic is meant to try to keep the product together. Okay. It doesn't do its job uh, 100% well. Mm -hmm. um, um, and most women don't realize, I had never realized until I you know, started taking products, like having apart. a real yeah. interest for these products <laughs> and taking the product, products apart, you'll see that that silk touch is a layer of plastic. And plastic can uh, create irritation. A lot of women are sensitive to plastic. And so on a lot of pads, you'll have also this plastic layer over the top sheet which you 
yeah, if you're not very interested in these products, which most people aren't um, and don't have to really become, uh, you just won't realize that. But that means that the product doesn't breathe. And in that area, especially if you're experiencing any type of irritation, um, that's not really a healthy situation to be in. And it's just like any doctor will always say to you, um, um, it's better to wear cotton underwear. And it's kind of the same yeah. um, um, with these products. And so a lot of uh, pads also have perfumes added to them. Um, since we women have been uh, led to believe that we have a problem with some sort of uh, smell. Um, and so you need perfumes or you need, uh, you know, sprays or special wipes or um, um, and all of these things. I believe are really not true okay. and have really been used just for marketing purposes um, to press, uh, yeah, to use pressure us to need to buy more products. Okay. Um, plus, uh, some um, pads will have the super absorbent pearls, mm -hmm. um, and that's just something quite chemical based. Okay. Um, that's not not anything natural, and so. Our products are made out of organic cotton, which means the top sheet is organic cotton, the center part of the product is cotton, it's a whole cotton product, and then with our pads and our liners, the backing is made from a biodegradable plastic, which is made uh, derived from cornstarch, okay. um, which makes the product way more breathable, mm -hmm. as well as nice and soft and comfortable, and so it has... The products that we've put on the market have basically the same usability, so there's not like a difference really in um, how you use the products. Okay. Um, um, but they're biodegradable, the products themselves, um, so they're better for the environment, and mm -hmm. I feel better using them myself. Okay. How long did it take it to develop this uh, perfect tampon? Well, we. That's the thing. So in 2016, uh, we won uh, with our brand Yoni. We won the uh, Middle and Small Business Enterpri Enterprise uh, Innovation Award. Okay. Um, but it wasn't for the product because the product, as I uh, explained in the beginning, it existed. So we uh, uh, found suppliers that we thought were uh, had a good product, a certified supply chain. Um, 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 we're closer by, uh, so mm -hmm. we've chosen to work with producers um, within Europe. Okay. Um, um, but we didn't have to make a tampon. Okay. Uh, it was already there. So that uh, was really easy. That was okay. an easy part of uh, setting up the business. And you launched in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. So right now, where can our users buy it? And uh, is there a delivery? What are the points of sale? How yeah. much does it cost? Yeah, so um, um, you can find our products uh, online, obviously, at www.yoni.care. We have mm -hmm. a web shop there. And you can purchase the products um, from um, basically the Benelux, um, yeah. Germany, UK. And you offer delivery. Uh, yeah, we yeah. offer delivery. Um, um, and then we also have stores here in the Netherlands um, because that was the most important thing to get into the mainstream market. And so in 2015, we launched at Atos, which is one of the mainstream drugstores here in the yep. Netherlands. And that was really the first time in Europe that an organic cotton uh, product got on the shelf next to um, mm -hmm. um, um, synthetic products. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I say Europe, maybe the world. Sounds so much better. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not exactly sure. Of course. Sure. <laughs> um, so you can buy them at Atos. You can buy them at the Albert Heijn. Um, those are like the bigger yeah. uh, mainstream players. In the UK, you can find them at Sainsbury, a mainstream supermarket. 
Um, and you can also find them at smaller organic stores like here in the Netherlands at Marked with a Q or Planet Organic in London. Nice. Um, yeah. And so check out our website because at the, this point of time, we're really uh, expanding our reach. Um, so Great. if you're listening and wondering where, is, where can I get my Yoni products and go to our website. Cool. Are you planning to go to other continents as well or this is not in a short term? Uh, I mean, at this point of time, uh, there are enough um, uh, challenges mm -hmm. in uh, ensuring that our products uh, get onto shelves, etc., yeah. in the countries uh, closer by the Netherlands. Um, and at some point of time, sure, I'm half American. Um, we could go uh, other places. Yeah. Um, but we start a little bit closer to home. It's just easier. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good, though. Um, so let's go to the industry a little bit more in a, in a more general sense. Yeah. So when talking about periods and uh, vaginas in general, there is still a taboo around these topics. Why do you think it's still happening? We're living in 2019 and women are still not openly talking about it. And many women are not educated about menstruation in general. Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, I think because it's been a taboo for since forever, basically. And so it's been institutionalized as well. And if you look back, uh, it, like go way back in history, you'll see in all major religions, uh, menstruation is seen as a taboo. And why is that? Basically, um, um, for a long time, menstruation was something completely, it was not understood. It wasn't even understood as part of a woman's cycle. That mm -hmm. wasn't something we knew anything about. Um, and so, especially, uh, um, I mean, you bleeding once a month, and if you have no idea why that's happening, and maybe even perhaps for men even more, not having to yeah. deal with this, it was seen as something... Uh, perhaps kind of magical, um, um, but also as potentially risky and uh, uh, dangerous. Yeah. And something that is a potential danger needs to be, uh, you want to uh, lower that risk. And so you see that in a lot of the religions and in a lot of societies, there'll be rules about what you can and can't do if you're menstruating. And still, uh, nowadays, and not even that long ago, there were really uh, mainstream ideas that if you would touch flowers um, when you were menstruating, that they would wilt. There are studies that like somehow uh, scientifically <laughs> prove this. Um, it's obviously complete BS. Uh, exactly. So like, <laughs> why is it changing so slowly? And also the, another question uh, is that you say with Yoni that you are trying to break these taboos. And how are you doing this? Yeah. And so... I think one of the reasons why it's changing so slowly is, one, it was such, it was so uh, ingrained within societies and within religions um, um, that it was something uh, to be kind of secretive about, etc. And then you had the industry come in. And so at the point of time when pads as we know them and tampons as we know them, when they were introduced and became a commercial product, that really went hand in hand with uh, the waves of feminism and with women having to go out and work out outside of the home. Right. Um, that was when you would also saw, see, saw a rise in the commercial, commercialization mm -hmm. of pads as we know them today, which makes total sense. I mean, pads and tampons have given women a lot of freedom of course. Um, and have brought in a lot of good things. But what the industry did was they played on the taboo, on the existing taboo. And so they 
said, you know, this is something that you need to keep secret that we don't speak about. You um, don't want anyone to smell you. Um, um, right. So they played onto this belief. And what that works really, really well. I mean, I think anyone setting up a business with a product, like you need to make people have a problem and you have a, yes. uh, a solution. solution for this that, is a yeah. great business model. This is really what works. And so they, the problem is menstruation and we have a product that uh, um, has a solution for you. Right. But that just um, uh, um, really uh, has, yeah, hasn't helped um, anyone um, 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 speak about menstruation in a more freer way. And so it wasn't until quite recent, I don't remember the exact date we'd have to, um, I wrote a book last year uh, hmm. uh, called From Vulva to Vagina. It's in Dutch, Van Vulva tot Vagina. Okay. Um, and in that, there's the date, and it's really not that long ago that, like on American TV, you couldn't even say the word period. That was, like, it was banned for whatever reason. It was just found inappropriate. Um, um, yeah. So this has not helped. And the way that we're trying um, and what I believe needs to happen is instead of it being kind of medicalized, um, we need to normalize menstruation. I mean, every woman has something to do with menstruation. Even if you don't menstruate, um, um, you at just as being a woman or someone who menstruates, it's part of your life in some kind of way. And it's important um, to have an understanding of how your cycle works uh, for many different reasons, whether it's health or for conceiving or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so I believe that needs to be normalized. And so when we started this, I don't even think we were so, I mean, we were so not within this industry uh, um, that we just maybe didn't even realize how much of a taboo it was. And we just looked at other really cool shit <laughs> and thought, what do they do that works? And we need to do the same with uh, this topic exactly. and with tampons and yeah. pads. And so that's, for example, um, uh, why we set up our own brand. Because at first we did take a look and see, you know, isn't there just something we could boost a little bit and then we don't have to set up a whole company around yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this topic. <laughs> um, but we couldn't find a brand that we felt really translated would translate well on a mainstream shelf. And yeah. for us, um, we wanted to set up a brand that you could be kind of proudly put in your yeah. bathroom. And like, design for me is just another way of communicating. And we wanted to communicate that this is a care product rather than a shameful product that you need to kind of hide behind, you know, hides behind your toilet paper so you had, like, in your a very, bathroom. Like, or an activist the, approach? Yeah, an activist approach, but a, a soft activist approach. Okay. Um, um, I've seen other brands that are much more challenging mm -hmm. and for us be yeah beauty sounds uh but to make i think design and doing things uh um in a beautiful sometimes also funny uh, uh or kind of a standout way is important and that is what um i feel our uh, packaging communicates it's something that i like having yeah. in my bathroom you only care nice like that's yeah what I mean. yeah cares um but the design looks really nice indeed. I yeah. really like the design. Yeah. It's very clean and it actually does stand out from the rest as well. Yeah. Just to compliment. But like talking about still the taboos, how can we as uh, consumers uh, or as women, how can we change uh, change the industry? How we can, can we help break these taboos or what can we do to educate more women on this topic? Yeah, I mean, not everybody has to... Um, um, 
have a podcast and talk about menstruation like <laughs> I do. Um, um, but I think, I think it's important. One, I think as consumers, um, every choice you make, uh, um, you should do consciously, mm-hmm. and you can choose for buying into a brand that has uh, um, and it continues to play upon the taboo. Or you can choose a brand that's trying to change things and um, and make a conscious choice. And so there you can make a choice, obviously, and choose for Yoni or something else that you believe in. There are other options out there, obviously. Um, um, and you can do this in with any in any uh, any purchase you make. Like in a supermarket, there are choices to be made, and I enjoy, especially now, uh, being an entrepreneur and having other entrepreneur friends with other brands. I know what it means to choose, you know, that cookie over the other cookie um, and that uh, I have much more of a much more satisfaction buying uh, a product that I know um, someone is really enthusiastic and it's really going to uh, make a difference um, for them personally rather than just adding on uh, one of the SKU from an enormous uh, multinational um, where everything is so impersonal and not necessarily geared towards, I believe, uh, uh, me and my own well-being. Um, and then on menstruation um, in specific, I mean, I think it's a, something that we just need to try to talk about. Um, um, yeah. And so having those uh, slightly uncomfortable conversations, and especially with our children, um, um, whether they be girls or boys, yeah. uh, with both there needs to be a conversation. We're not going to break a taboo if you only um, talk to girls about Absolutely. The, the topic. Absolutely. This is where also a part of the taboo, right? You're not supposed to talk about it in front of men. Yeah. And it's, it, it is still considered weird. Like, I myself noticed that I can just mention, yeah, I'm on my period and I will uh, see some weird looks. And I was like, why? That's normal. That's that's like literally, I don't know, like five days out of my month, every month. So, yeah, it's me. It's part of me. Yeah, so well, I totally agree also on that. Like a really unhandy situation. If you can't speak to your partner um, about menstruation, um, I can't imagine that, that. That's kind of like an unhandy uh, situation to be in as well. So it uh, is for your own uh, well being important. Um, um, Absolutely. To, yeah, review or rethink the way that we look at uh, periods in general and yeah. speak about them. Okay, I totally agree in here. We need to talk to people, men, women, children, openly discuss it. Cool. Um, talking about the periods themselves, the mm-hmm. menstruation, the cycle. Um, is there a term like a normal cycle? Um, I know that it's different for every woman, but is there like a range? What's the normal length? What's the healthy yeah. length of a cycle? Well, I find this difficult and I'll like make a, immediately a disclaimer within the podcast. I'm not a medical professional. Um, so course, yeah. I talk about menstruation a lot and I've read a lot about menstruation, yeah. but I'm definitely not a health professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a big range in what is normal, but they say around normal is around 28 days. And what I think is important and uh, what I do myself is to track your own yeah. period. And then you'll find out what is normal for you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then you can see the deviations. And I deviate when I'm like stressed. I'll see a deviation um, in my menstruation. So often I can um, um, tell uh, why uh, something is shorter or longer mm-hmm. um, because of what's been going on in my life. And if you do that for a while, 
you can see trends um, and you can start to understand uh, yeah. what works for you. And I think one thing that I hear a lot about from women nowadays is women who are going off, like, for example, the pill, a contraceptive. Yeah. Um, and then starting to menstruate again, and that can take a really long time. In my own, from my own personal experience, that took a long time to for normalize. me to normalize. Mm -hmm. And at first, it was really erratic uh, in taking, you know, over forty days uh, to menstruate, maybe longer, um, being very short, then being very long, um, and that just took a bit of time uh, to normalize. And if you're ever worried about that kind of thing, it's a good thing to have a talk with a health professional absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But what's the normal deviation uh, when you're not taking off the pill, when you're just stressed? Is it like, what's the normal delay? Two, three days, 10 days? What's the maximum accepted? I don't think there's like, I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to give, like, I can see myself that I'll deviate maybe up to a, a I deviate a couple days is kind of normal once mm -hmm. in a while and sometimes it'll be a bit longer than that um, but anything that you're worried about I would talk to a health uh, professional about but yeah but it's something that if you track over time um, so I've tracked it for yeah over eight years now, yeah um, and I can kind of see i know like three day deviation for me is it's like, normal is kind of normal. what what apps do you use because i know there are a lot of uh, very cool apps some allow you to, to log in your like stress level your like whether you had sex or you were craving something so it's really cool for tracking the tendencies and seeing what happened this month yeah. that your period is different what apps do you use i use clue clue yeah i use clue it's been set up by a woman um uh, ida um, in Germany, um, it's like one of the apps that's not pink, purple, and okay. whatever, uh, which I appreciate. Um, and their content, and so the messages that they share are uh, really informative. Mm -hmm. um, um, they do have health professionals um, who uh, add on content. And they do a lot of surveys. Also, so though, um, I believe if you go online and look, they would have more information and would be able to say, you know, under our so many thousands and thousands of users, this is what is normal. Like this is the norm. Okay. Um, so I like their um, uh, approach in mm -hmm. terms of using data and um, um, yeah, and what they've made possible. Cool. In that. Um, from my side, I can recommend Eve. Maybe you heard about Eve. It's yeah. quite big. Um, it's pretty simple and I like it. I but I'm actually curious about checking out Clue as well. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, and but now I've just I've like I started with it so many years ago and now I just wanna keep it because you have like your whole exactly. data set in it. Yeah. For eight years. <laughs> yeah, I can see exactly when I have cool. my daughter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nice, very cool. What about the the volume? I it also varies per person of course, but it doesn't yeah. have to be I mean, I think this is where um, um, I think it's hard to talk about volume because uh, I mean nobody ever nobody's ever collected all their mean uh, measured, yeah. like, <laughs> never measured like this is the but I mean and so and some women say you know after um, having children for example that they have much heavier menstruation. Um, but I know for myself this hasn't been the case um, necessarily. So this is something that is I think. Sometimes there are like these uh, myths that we uphold of yeah. what happens. Um, yeah. um, and a lot of women I know um, uh, walk around with uh, 
yeah, with difficulties around their menstruation, pain, um, um, uh, a lot of blood loss, um, mm -hmm. um, these kind of uh, problems. Um, and kind of because there, I think, um, because there is some sort of taboo, feel like, oh, well, this must just be part of, part of what I have to deal with as a woman mm -hmm. and don't speak about the topic. And I think this is where it becomes important. Um, um, that so in this case, you should visit a specialist. Definitely, and definitely. And to push know. a little bit because um, uh, Women's Inc., for example, here in the Netherlands has done and has been campaigning about these issues where people with endometriosis, which um, creates a lot of pain and it flares up um, when you're on your cycle, when you're on your uh, menstruation cycle when you're menstruating. Mm -hmm. um, um, and that people with endometriosis, it usually takes over a year, if not longer, for it to be identified by healthcare professionals. Wow. Because they're just not geared towards, um, um, I don't know, this, this condition. And so as women, we need to advocate for ourselves and I believe be a bit more pushy when it comes to our own health. Um, I know, for example, um, uh, something I speak about quite often is when I went to my uh, GP um, and spoke about uh, my irregular period. So before I was diagnosed with a, 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 a developing stage of cervical cancer, for a year or two, I was having like uh, spotting in between my periods. Now, blood spotting. Yeah, yeah, blood spotting. And now I know that if you ever have any types of spotting, like having like very irregular periods, like maybe, a, you know, any kind of spotting, you should go see a gynecologist. Yeah. But uh, what I had said at that point of time to my GP is I said, you know, I've been on this very light pill for years and years and years. I don't think it's working so well. Um, um, is there anything else I should do? I'm having spotting. So I had made the conclusion myself and my GP didn't pick up on it. And later, speaking to all of my gynecologists, they said spotting and having any kind of like blood, like after uh, sex uh, or during sex, after sex, um, um, just in between whatever in your daily life. It's not life, healthy. That is a sign and you should get yourself checked out what's mm -hmm. going on. That should not happen. I just feel like that's not being talked about. Nobody had ever let me know. If I had known that, I might have been more, I would have been able to um, advocate more for my own health. But my GP didn't pick up on it and I didn't know either. Yeah, that's a very good advice that we should be pushy and we should go to doctors and literally ask questions and push them, force yeah, them to check yeah. out. Yeah, and if you don't have a good feeling, then go and see someone else. Absolutely, yeah, I would totally recommend that. Yeah. And in the Netherlands, that's hard. <laughs> like, I'm also an American, so I know... It is quite hard The American here. <laughs> system is also difficult. It has really its downsides, obviously. <laughs> but, but here... But uh, here, uh, basically, they just say, you know, go and wear a scarf or yeah, something. Yeah, buy paracetamol. <laughs> or buy paracetamol. Uh -huh. You're not taking seriously, and they're very procedural. Yeah. Um, but still, it's important uh, to push if you believe that it's you It's possible to, to push. I yeah, think it if is possible. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't have a good feeling. I'm not feeling feeling well, I want to do this and this tests, let's do this. Yeah, and exaggerate yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very good advice. This always works for me. <laughs> cool. Contraceptives. Yeah. There are a lot of, uh, I think, misconceptions about them. Uh, but let's only touch the, the menstruation um, part of it. How do contraceptives uh, affect 
the period in a short and long term. Yeah, I I'd regulate it in a short term yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, I'm I'm definitely not a specialist on contraceptives. Of course, uh, but um, uh, I think. There's, and again, if you're um, a Dutch listener, please read the book yeah. um, where we have um, a whole chapter on contraceptives that I did not write, um, where someone else uh, looks into this, like what what is the truth about contraceptives? Mm -hmm. um, um, and I think a lot more and more people are kind of questioning uh, contraceptives and what the effects are on them um, um, and their health. Um, I think one, it can take a, uh, quite a while when you're on a contraceptive to get back to like a healthy uh, menstrual rhythm. Whether that's something bad or not bad, I can't really, I, I can't say yeah. from a health perspective. I can only say that if you're looking to conceive, you should be talking to your healthcare professional on time um, um, about what kind of effect um, um, and what kind of timeline you should be taking into account when you get off that contraceptive. It may be that it takes quite a while before you have like a, a healthy, uh, regular cycle mm -hmm. that makes it more easy to conceive. This also leads sometimes to uh, unexpected uh, pregnancies. I know from friends who got like pregnant way sooner than they had expected because they had like taken into account oh well it might take a year before blah blah yeah, blah yeah. and they immediately this is after they got out of yeah, the contraceptive yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and obviously a lot of women are on contraceptives because they don't want to have their period because they experience their period as a burden um, and yeah but does it affect it in the long term? Does it change in the long term? I don't know, really. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I knew, I know for myself, I mean, I was on a very light pill, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, for over 15 years. Um, and after my whole cervical cancer uh, scare, I decided to um, stop my contraceptive okay. and to finally figure out where my normal cycle was and where I was with my health, yeah. uh, myself. And that took a while, um, but I didn't get a clear, uh, a clear answer. From but it was able to go to the normal cycle. Yeah. You have a regular cycle yeah. and everything is okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about PMS. Yeah. It was, as I said, it was the last question that I added to the list. However, it should have been uh, the first one because it's a very personal question as well. PMS, the premenstrual syndrome, yeah. uh, does it exist? Or is this all like tales? Uh, is it actually normal to have it? Does everyone have it? And last, uh, lastly, how to deal with it? Yeah, no, I think, um, one, I think um, in, at least here in the Netherlands and in America, like PMS is spoken about, like every, like every woman would have PMS. I, at least that's kind of like the way that it's spoken about. Um, but when you look like what the symptoms are, like really, for example, that you really are affected in your daily life by PMS mm -hmm. um, every single month. Um, I think they say that it's only roughly around six to eight percent of women who really have this. Okay. Um, and so that, but that's like really that it would affect you that you might not be able to get out of bed or, you know, uh, really feel depressed around that uh, point of time. And then it's important to go see, again, a healthcare specialist. I think um, that there are definite effects that hormones have uh, on, our, on our own well-being. And so for me, I can see it in myself. 
um, that certain uh, uh, points of time I feel more tired or less tired or more irritable and that can be hormone related. And this is why I like tracking my period because I find as being the kind of woman that we talk, spoke about in the beginning, like, oh my God, I have my period. I need to yeah, uh, exactly. go get my products. I didn't uh, expect that. <laughs> but now that I track it, I also receive like push notifications telling Today's me like, coming. hey, it's coming. And I'll be like, oh yeah, this is why I feel that way. Because yeah. it is true, at least for me um, as an individual, I'm lower in energy right before my period and during my period, that's the time that I'm much more likely to get sick if I'm okay. uh, um, low in my immune system. And after my menstruation, I build up my energy levels until kind of ovulation. Okay. And I think there is some scientific data to back this up as a cycle and it's kind of good to understand um, where you're at so that you can also take into account, oh, maybe this weekend I should like not go to that party or right. whatever, um, or uh, um, um, then would be fine. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women just somehow are not so in touch with our cycle and don't take these things into account in their daily lives. And I do believe it's true that we're more irritable, etc. But I've also seen um, a study where, I mean, I think men have used this like women... Um, a quarter of the uh, a quarter of the month. They're like, only pay mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think if you look at men and women and like the, the mood sw- swings uh, um, over the norm, men also have mood swings. Right. Um, um, uh, just not linked to uh, to anything. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, and that men and women don't really have in general differences in uh, the amount of mood swings. Okay. Um, but it's curious that you're saying it's only six to eight percent. That have true Okay. Like, true, and the like, the uh, others like the, like they the medical mostly... PMS, um, uh, where you really um, affects your daily functioning and you basically cannot do what you normally would and do. And this medical PMS, what are their the symptoms? Lo- less uh, loss of energy. I think loss of energy, depression, mood um, swings, cravings. Okay. Yeah, and I think, and I, then I think, um, like the smaller things, like uh, being slightly more moody, uh, more irritable, uh, having cravings, um, all of those things. Um, but not that like I can't go to work because I have these things. Like just like oh, I want some Actually, extra chocolate or whatever. I, that's yeah. normal. Like, I think that's normal. A lot of women have that, and everybody has that in their slightly own ways. Yeah. And that's why tracking is so useful. A lot of things, like, you can do, and it depends kind of on the person, what you want to do with it. I obviously, for my own health, have gone to many kinds of health pers- professionals and also more alternative uh, health professionals. And with my acupuncturist, um, Mm -hmm. she would have all these interesting ideas of things that I could do to regulate my hormones more and have less PMS. So less kind of uh, uh, mood swings and those kind of things. And I think that's always something interesting um, to dive into, but you have, I'm always a little bit careful about speaking about that because um, um, I think we need to make it difference and I never you can never do that in a non-personal environment like this where somebody's just listening in um, to know when your uh, own PMS is something that you should be talking to like a real healthcare professional about um, or if it's something that you know with a bit of chocolate you'll be fine or if it's exactly uh, exactly maybe staying at home instead of being in an office environment 
or if it's something that you could really benefit from going to, I don't know, an acupuncturist or someone yeah. like that. Yeah, it's important to listen to your body yeah. and uh, like um, do it like per on a personal basis. Okay, um, there is a question from actually from someone from our audience because yeah. we did ask on our Instagram what the, what the questions are from our audiences. Um, having sex during period, is it normal or does it make any changes to the period, to the menstruation itself? I think this is something um, uh, we've also asked or have spoken to our audience about this. Okay. I think it's something super personal, um, whether yeah. you want to have sex on your period or not. Um, in America, there was a startup who uh, brought out these bl like blankets that you could use uh, oh, wow. to have sex during your period that would then absorb uh, the, blood. the blood instead of it getting all over your bed. <laughs> um, uh, so that could be quite helpful. I think it's what you feel comfortable about. I, some women say that they um, feel like having sex more often during their period. Um, some people say that orgasm um, um, helps cramps um, so that it, uh, you know, bodily wise uh, is beneficial yeah. during your period. Um, yeah, so I think it's something you can experiment with if you want. It's definitely not prohibited, right? Like I, I don't remember where I, I heard a, um, a program about it with a specialist and they say that it's like it's there is nothing that is prohibited like it's you, you can there's nothing do that. wrong with having sex during your period and it doesn't make exactly exactly right there's yeah. no more okay cool i think i hope we answered that question i mean it's good then to have had a conversation with your partner yeah um, <laughs> so that they're mine. aware and exactly that, um um i think it's important for both parties to absolutely yeah because we yeah of course it's important to consider what your partner <laughs> wants it's like like surprise <laughs> <Slide>. <laughs> okay cool um so lately i'm not sure lately but at least i discovered them lately that uh, right now there are a lot of um period cups yeah. what do you think about those Cups. I think they're great. And Yoni basically. does not make them. No, we don't make a cup uh, at this point of time, um, perhaps in the future. But um, at this point of time, what we wanted to do was basically change an industry in a way for women who had never thought about like how or what goes into their tampons and pads, offer them a product that's better for the environment, better for themselves, um, um, but has the same usability. Yeah. So it's basically the same but then different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and with a cup that has a total different, you have to use that differently. It doesn't work the same way as a tampon or a pad, obviously. Um, one, it's more sustainable because obviously it's reusable. You use one cup. Yeah. How one. hygienic is it? You need to be uh, uh, you need to be hygienic about it. So you need to read up and see how to clean the cup, yeah. etc. And it is important to do that well. For how long um, can you use one cup? What's I think you can use them for uh, like years, okay. uh, five years or so. I'm not exactly sure. I myself don't use the cup because I've had, um, um, yeah, what I've said, uh, like operations around my cervix. And for me, just there's like a personal barrier about having to insert something around my cervix. I don't want that. Yeah, I just don't like yeah. the idea at all. Okay. And uh, a lot of women do. Yeah, yeah. But it's new, right? It is. It's, it's not new. Good. It's actually been around for over 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. Okay. But oh, in the okay. past. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But in the past so many years, uh, before when we started Yoni, um, I mean, I'd, 
would follow and look at these things. And they, I don't think we're getting that much traction, but now that talking about menstruation has become more normal in the past five years, there's a lot more uh, uh, people are looking and questioning uh, their use of general tampons and pads. Um, I've seen also a lift in uh, menstrual cups, and I now get uh, targeted on uh, my social media. Yeah, exactly. And stuff. Maybe the, so they're doing way, much better. Yeah. Um, um, Absolutely. And that's a good thing. Okay. So in terms of products for menstruations, we're slightly going back to that. Uh, of course, it's very personal, and you choose what's the most comfortable product for you, whether it's uh, a cap or a tampon or a pad. But in terms of hygiene, what's the most uh, hygienic product? Is it a cap, tampon, or a pad? I think it depends on your uh, own situation. Um, and uh, for example, um, uh, if you're somewhere where you can't shower, mm -hmm. um, then I think probably using a pad is less hygienic um, because you obviously want to be able to wash yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, um, if you're somewhere where you wouldn't have a facility where you could um, like have boiling water to wash your cup, then using a cup wouldn't be the okay. most hygienic option. And so I think for each uh, option, there are reasons or, yeah, they all can be hygienic. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'll definitely put the link to your Instagram and to your website into our um, description of the podcast awesome. and also these organizations that you mentioned and the, the apps we discussed earlier. The book. The book. The book. Yeah, the book. actually I wanted to ask you, is it going to be in English, published in English? I hope so. Uh, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, after you mentioned several uh, things from the book, I really want to read it. Well, there is an option of me learning Dutch as well, but... <laughs> Which one is more? Which one is more, more likely? likely? I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that question undecided. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, for our Dutch listeners, we will also publish the link to the book. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mariah, for being here today. It was uh, great talking to you and it was great uh, finding out so much information about periods. I hope for, um, for our audience uh, it was useful information and uh, if there are any more questions from our audience, they can always leave it in the comments and we will make sure to ask Mariah further on. Yeah, sure. Thank you. And Thank you. Um, yeah, have a good day, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.